0: Oh. Uh-huh. Good morning. morning. It is good to be here. It is good to be back with everybody. We had a good trip. Families all send their greeting, and uh, but it's good to be back in the pulpit and and back with you today. Just a couple of announcements as we begin. You'll notice the bulletin changed up a little bit this year. Our our bulletin company has changed how they do the bulletin, so you'll find the uh, the um, announcements on the back and uh, it would probably be how it looks from here on out. So um, just be aware of that. If you wondered where the announcements go, that's went. that's where they are. Um, The only announcements uh, that I have is uh, next week we will start back up on our Bible study next Sunday evening at 5, chapter 10 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And um, elders will meet on the 18th at five o'clock. And so um, we'll be planning on that. Any other announcements today? Uh, yes, sir. I'd like to thank everybody for their thoughts, prayers, and cards uh, regarding my mom's passing. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Any other, any other announcements today? If not, our call to worship comes from Psalm 147, and for those of you that were in Sunday school, the psalm where the psalmist uh, praises God because the nation of Israel is the only nation to receive God's law, it was 147, so there was both a seven and a four in it. So Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 147, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we do thank you and we praise you as we are called to do in this psalm, Lord, it is good to gather here with your people, both physically and electronically, to sing your praises, to hear your word. It is fitting for us to praise you both today and in every moment of our life. Or do you bless us with strength, you, you strength, you grant peace to the borders of your people, and you satisfy us with the food of your word. And so we ask as we gather that you remind us that we are here. Remind us that we have put our hope in your unfailing love rather than in military strength, rather than in political strength. Lord, remind us that you are our God and we are your people. What a pleasure it is to be able to pray to you, especially the words that you have taught us, our Father, Amen. Amen. Let us take Bible songs, the green book there in the pew before you, and turn to Bible song number 309. The Lord loves all. The Lord rains down the sun upon the righteous as well as the guilty, and he sends rain upon the guilty as well as the righteous. And he shows his love to all creation by providing for it. So let us stand and sing Bible song 309, The Lord Loves All. Please be seated. Oftentimes we deny the Lord, the love of the Lord. Oftentimes we deny the Lord as well. And we are called to confess our sins when we forget his love, when we forget his provision, when we forget to follow his law. And so let us join together and confess our sins. Holy and merciful God. In your presence, we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we are ashamed and sorry for all we have done to displease you. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light and walk in your ways for the sake of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. We are reminded in 1 John that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 2 Samuel. It is 2 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 4, the beginning of a song of praise that David lifted to God when God delivered him from the hands of his enemies. And so we hear these words. David sang to the Lord the words of this song. When the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent men you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord, it does stand forever forever. Now is the time in our service where we contemplate our tithes and offerings. And so contemplate how you may worship God by fulfilling his command to give. And Father above, we do thank you for all that you provide, that you give to us through um, the ordinary means of this world's working, of our employment. And Lord, we ask that you be honored and glorified by this portion that we have returned to you. May it be used for your glory, for your honor, and so that the light of that glory might shine into the darkness of our world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your hymn book, the maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 241. Gracious Spirit, dwell with me. God's Spirit does dwell with His people, but it's good to pray, to remember that we rely upon that Spirit day by day, moment by moment. So let us remain standing and sing hymn 241, Gracious Spirit, dwell with me. seated. It is good to gather. It is good to be reminded of what we believe. It is good to profess together what we believe. So Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's a couple of prayer updates uh, that I have as we uh, approach God's throne in prayer. Um, I know you prayed for Eugene Kelly's daughter last week, Missy. I spoke to Eugene this week, and he said she's recovering well from the surgery that she had. She's doing a lot better, feeling a lot better. Um, When I talked to him Wednesday, they were still waiting for the results of the uh, uh, biopsy on the mass they took. So please continue to pray for her. Also, keep Don Farlow in your prayer. He uh, has a procedure tomorrow. He's having... um, a toe removed, and so pray for Don in that. Also, we've had Natalie Wade on our uh, prayer list for a while. Um, She—they found some more uh, cancer above and beyond what they had already knew of. So please be praying for her. Okay. So. And she, she had her surgery, had two a little bit longer Okay. So she's had her surgery, she's had a couple abscesses there, and she's began chemo this week. So pray for Natalie. Um, Cohen Bramley, we've, uh, he was been on our prayer list for a while, hasn't been on our prayer list for a few weeks. Um, uh, if you remember, Cohen's uh, about eight years old. He had bone marrow transplant due to some uh, 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 unknown illness that he had basically since birth. Um, but he's taken a little bit of a turn for worse. He's having some pain issues, also having some vision issues. So please be in prayer for Cohen and his family. Um, and uh, there was somebody else, I thought. Oh, yeah, please pray for Michelle's grandmother. She took a fall on Friday and broke her wrist. Um, so please be in prayer for her and for her recovery. Um, oh, uh, um the Currys, uh, Bruce and Ingrid's son, Ben. Um, uh, good news, we thank the Lord for this uh, in conversations with uh, Bruce and Ingrid. Over the last few weeks, he has professed faith in Christ, and so we praise God for that. Um, but a uh, friend of his brought over, for some reason, a vial of mercury and spilled it, and Ben, not knowing How to take care of it, ended up vacuuming it, aerosolizing the mercury, and now he's having some mercury poisoning issues. So please keep Ben in your prayers as well. So we praise God for that. Anything else? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we lift up to you our country right now. As it is uh, and has been for many many months, in a state of turmoil, um, we lift uh, the people, the uh, politicians, um, the spirit of this country, and ask that you bring it a sense of peace. Lord, we are glad that we worship a God who is infinite and eternal and unchangeable. Lord, we are finite; we come and we go. Our our lives, as the scriptures say are but a vapor and compared to your infinite nature and yet even though people come and people go you are always here you are self-existent and uh, you are infinite you are eternal we're reminded as we look at the scriptures and as we look at the revelation of you within nature and within history we're reminded that kingdoms come and kingdoms go that nations rise and nations fall that Empires find power and then fade away in weakness. And yet you are eternal and your kingdom is eternal. It is a kingdom that has no end. It is described in Daniel as a rock not carved by the hand of man that destroys the kingdoms of men and establishes itself as an ever-growing kingdom that provides shade and protection for those who are members of it. And so remind us, Lord that you and your kingdom are eternal. You are unchangeable as well. Lord, we are fickle, wishy-washy creatures chasing this pleasure today and that pleasure tomorrow, chasing this source of security this week, and then when we see that it is crumbled, seeking another one next week. And yet you are unchangeable. You are the God who was, the God who is, the God who is to come. The God who is is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your promises, your word never changes. Your temperament never changes. You never change. And so as we live in the midst of a nation that seems to be crumbling, as we live in the midst of a pandemic that is expressly showing us our finiteness, And as we are living in a world where people seem to change their tunes and their allegiances every day, how privileged we are to be able to worship a God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And help us to remember that as we move forward in this world. Remind us that we are citizens of the eternal kingdom, that you have called us to live well here in this nation. Living well means that we Pursue your holiness living well in this nation means that we pursue you and seek to live according to your will and to your law to show that you are a light, a beacon in the darkness, that you are the light set upon a hill, not a nation, not a president, not a Congress, not a court, not a governor, not any elected official is the light on the hill that you are. But Lord, our country is in a state of turmoil because in many ways, many of the people have rejected the infinite, the eternal and the unchangeable. And so, Lord, turn the hearts of our country to you. Turn our hearts toward you first and foremost. The members of your church, help us to confess the areas where we have put our hope in men, our hope in princes, our hope in military might instead of in you and help us as your people to turn back to you and then help us to show the way for the people in this world to turn toward you. Open the eyes and help people to see the folly of putting their hope in a political system, in an economic system, in an elected official, and help them to see that the only place where they can find comfort in this life is is by placing their hope, their trust in you. Lord, for those that we have lifted up in prayer, we ask that you help them to place their hope in you. We praise God for Ben, having professed a belief, a faith in you, and and having taken opportunity already to share that belief with friends and acquaintances of his. And we lift him up and ask that you strengthen him to continue to place that hope and that trust in you as he deals with this illness uh, as a result of the mercury that was spilled in his home. We pray for our brother Don and ask that you would uh, lift him up and sustain him through this surgery, bring him healing through this, and, and stop the infection uh, that is causing um, this uh, procedure to be done. We lift up Natalie and ask for healing for her and comfort for her and for her family as they deal with this increased difficulty with the cancer that she has. We praise you that Missy, uh, Eugene's daughter, is doing better, and we ask for peace as they await the results of the biopsy. For the Bramleys, we ask for healing for Cohen and and peace for for his parents and his siblings, and knowing that you will hear, knowing that you will answer. And Lord, once again, I ask that you would help us to find rest in you. As we carry our concerns to you, as we carry our concerns upon our hearts, as we carry our joys to you and carry those joys in our heart, I ask that you would help us to find peace and rest in you and in you alone. Help us to understand as much as we can in our finiteness the fact that you are infinite. Help us to rest in the midst of our wishy-washy and fickleness to find peace in your unchangeable nature. And help us as we see nations crumble and kingdoms fall, help us to trust in your eternal kingdom and in your nature as eternal. Lord, we are able to know you only because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. As you're turning there, I'd like to say two things. It is it's good to be back. It was good to, to visit family. It was good to get a time of rest, but it is good to be back here proclaiming and learning alongside with you. Also, I would encourage each and every one of you to contemplate over as long as you need. Over those three words, eternal, unchangeable, and infinite, as they pertain to God, and find hope and peace and comfort in that, even as our world seems to descend into madness and folly, or even further into madness and folly. Um, Put not your hope in princes, put not your hope in horses. Our only hope, our only comfort is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and in the triune God. And so please remember that as we move forward in our world. We will read today from Proverbs chapter 18. We'll begin in verse 1 and we'll read through verse 12. You'll notice next week we will start with verse 12 also. Um, It is what um, I have described to you before as a Janus passage Um, January, which we get from the Roman, the name of the Roman God Janus is a time to look forward and a time to look back. Janus passages are very similar. They look backwards and summarize what we've already learned and look forward and prepare us for what is to come. So you'll see next week that we read verse 12 a second time. But hear the word of the Lord. An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He defies all sound judgment. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing and his lips are a snare to the soul. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Before his downfall, A man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Let us pray. To the God and Father above who has revealed himself to us, we are reminded that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and your holy and inspired word is one of those blessings that you have given to your people. In that word, you reveal that we have been predestined, called, regenerated, and justified. In short, you have revealed that you have saved us from our sins. And in your blessed word, you have also revealed to us how we are to live in light of the fact that you have redeemed us. Today, Lord, I ask that you give the Holy Spirit to illuminate this word so that we may understand, so that we may be convicted of our shortcomings, so that we may repent, and so that we may walk in a way that is worthy of the calling that you have given to us. Shine light on our sins so that we may repent. Shine light on the path so that we may pursue a holy life that honors and glorifies you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have one, exactly one, Christmas sweater. Now, it's one I bought several years ago for an ugly Christmas sweater contest. And while it fits... The category, unfortunately, it wasn't ugly enough. It didn't win. But back to the sweater. Overall, it's gray on the shoulders, on the lower part of the front and the entire back. It has some red and green highlights on it, which you must have for a Christmas sweater. And in the middle of the colorful Christmas highlights are two words. And no, they are not Merry Christmas. But they are words that have been associated with Christmas ever since Charles Dickens wrote his wonderful Christmas tale, A Christmas Carol, in 1843. Can you guess what they might be? Bah humbug, yes, absolutely right. A Christmas Carol is a story, if you're not familiar with it, of Ebenezer Scrooge and his adventures on Christmas Eve with three Christmas ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. Each of these spirits shows Scrooge scenes from his life, past, present, and future, and the lives of others that are centered around Christmas celebrations. A time when Scrooge was somewhat happy and carefree. A time now when he is a miser and has isolated himself in a time in the future. Showing him his funeral that is given in a disrespectful tone and is unattended by anybody except for the priest and the pallbearers. The point of the story that Dickens told was that if Scrooge does not change his life, he will descend further and further into loneliness and irreverent relevance. If he doesn't change his ways, Scrooge's way of life will boomerang on him and bring destruction. Solomon focuses his teaching today on this very lesson. Proverbs 18, 1 through 3 highlights the progression from selfish isolation to outright outright wickedness alongside the progression from disrespect to outright scorn and shunning that comes to the one who pursues folly over wisdom. In verse 1, we see the unfriendly or the isolated man who pursues his own selfish ends. He denies all sound judgment. The picture here is somebody who is still active within the society, within the community, but people are beginning to step away from him. Because he has pursued folly. The fool in verse two is gone even further into his selfish ends in that he delights in airing his own opinions rather than leading to understanding, leading to the learning that brings understanding. Brothers and sisters, I think much of our vitriol, much of our difficulty within our society today centered around conversations comes from the fact that we delight more in airing our own under, own opinions than in seeking understanding and then finally in verse 3 we see that we have proceeded from progressed from the unfriendly isolated man to the absolute fool who is a, a bit of a jerk to the wicked one who has become a disgrace And that disgrace came from contempt or disrespect to social dishonor. Finally, to complete shunning and scorn of the wicked person by the community, by the culture. We don't begin in wickedness. We usually progress there, beginning in selfish pursuits, a hatred for understanding and finally descending into the disgrace of wickedness. But how does the wicked get there? How does the wicked bring this destruction upon himself? Solomon focuses on two areas that we will look at today, where the self-destructive words that the fool, the wicked, uses boomerang to bring destruction. And an even greater problem is the self-destructive trust that the fool, that the wicked has. First, self-destructive words. Verses four through nine focus on the words that the fool uses and their self-destructive nature. Verse 4 opens up with this somewhat seemingly out of the place proverb that says the words of a man's mouth are deep waters and the fountains of wisdom is but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Some translations see this as a synthetic proverb one where the second part of the verse builds upon the first part of the verse by amplifying it. But if we look at the subject of each part where it's the word of a man versus the fountain of wisdom, we see that what Solomon is contrasting here is the mysterious, the almost dangerous nature of the word of a man are hidden because they are deep waters. But wisdom brings words to humans that are full of life, that are full of of invigorating uh. Uh, words that bring peace and life to the person. Well, what kind of mysterious and potentially harmful words is the fool using? Well, the first he's using words that lead to injustice. Verse 5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the innocent of justice. We've talked about this before, where justice is the right application of the law to every human being, regardless of any socioeconomic Uh, difference that might exist between them. You treat the poor the same way you do the wealthy. You treat one ethnic group the same way you treat another ethnic group. And the law is applied equitably. But the fool uses words to twist justice so that it is the innocent that is pronounced guilty and the guilty that are pronounced innocent. The fool also uses words of gossip. Verse 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. We Kind of relate to that, don't we? I mean, we even call gossip, I've got a juicy little tidbit for you. It's almost like you've got a feast laid out before you and oh, there's that. There's that gooey butter cake right over there with the pumpkin flavoring in it. And man, I've got this little piece of this delicacy that I want to give you. Why do why do we gossip? Why do we think about uh, words that demean other people in that way? We think of them as juicy little tidbits. I think it's rooted in that verse one where the unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. Sometimes I want to be important. Sometimes you want to be important. And sometimes the way we pursue importance is by lowering the opinion of others in other people's eyes. Think of middle school, that, that crazy time between elementary school and high school where you're just trying to establish yourself as your own human being. You're kind of separating yourself from your parents a little bit, although you're still under their roof, you're still under their wing of protection, but you're also trying to figure out what does my friend group look like? And you know, I've got these friends over here and, and they're okay, but all the cool people hang out right over there. And I wanna be in the cool people group. We call them cliques when I was growing up. I want to be in the cool clique, I wanna be in the jock clique, I wanna be popular. I don't really have anything about me. I was not athletic, I was not um I was smart, but that didn't make you popular back then. I don't know if it does today, but definitely didn't make you popular back then. So the only way I could figure out to get into the popular group was to start dumping on everybody else. And sometimes it didn't matter if it was true because I had my own selfish ends. And of course, it backfired on me, as we will see here in a few moments. But we pursue gossip, and they they go down to a man's inmost parts or a person's inmost parts. It's the generic word for man there. Women, you are not excused from this talk on the sin of gossip. Men, neither are you. We're typically worse than the women. But they go down to our inmost parts. There was this idea in the ancient Near East that thoughts resided in the belly. And they just kind of percolated in the belly until they were needed. And then they were pulled out and brought out and used. Or they were left there to to rot and to go away if they were never to be used again. And we have that choice with gossip. We can either hold on to these tiny little tidbits, these morsels, these delicacies to be used again when necessary. Or we can let them rot and fester and go away, never to be seen again. But what happens to the fool that uses words to bring about injustice or gossip to tear, to tear down other people? Verses six and seven highlight the process. A fool's lips, first off, bring him strife. A fool will start quarrels and arguments. And those quarrels and arguments will become his way of life. His mouth invites a beating. He pursues words that bring about injustice and ultimately finds himself or herself a victim of the injustice that he has brought about. He seeks the ruin of other people through gossip and through malicious talk and yet finds himself undone by the words of his mouth and finally he finds that these words that he uses become a snare to his soul which we will talk about here in a few moments the fool uses words to pervert justice and finds himself a victim of perverted justice the fool brings contention and quarreling and finds himself always in an argument He lies and traps himself in double speak. He brags about skills and abilities and ends up agreeing to a task he is unqualified for. He makes promises that he cannot keep. He insults. He belittles. He gossips about others and then is surprised to find himself ruined by gossip. He justifies his sin, not taking opportunity to repent and will ultimately be judged for the words of his mouth. The words of a fool are self-destructive, but so is the trust of a fool. In verses 10 through 12, we have these these words. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. And before his downfall, a man's heart is proud But humility comes before honor. Why does the fool put his trust in the wrong place? It's because of his proud heart. He thinks that he can make his own way. He thinks that he can take care of himself. He thinks that he can do everything and that everything he has is protection enough for him against the sins of the world, against the difficulties of the world. Where is his trust? His trust is in the things of the world and it's a focus here is his very own wealth today. The wealth of their rich of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. We see a comparison here and it, it's, it's the, the way we translate things into English. Sometimes we can miss the comparison, but the word for strong tower in verse 10 and fortified city are the same word. The wealth see their strong tower, the, wealth, the, the, the fool sees their place of refuge as their wealth. I've got enough money, I can, I can protect myself from all the things that are going to go wrong in this world. How many times have we seen, even in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, the fact that wealth can go away like that? A president says a certain thing, a, a, a despot in the Middle East invades another country and all of a sudden wealth crumbles and falls wealth is not a fortified city wealth is not a strong tower there's nothing wrong with wealth if God chooses to give you wealth but it is not where you place your trust the trust goes in the name of God the trust goes in the God who has saved us and we'll flesh out what it means to to, for the name of the Lord to be a strong tower in a few moments While the righteous run to the name of the Lord and find safety. The the foolish imagine their wealth to be the safe, unscalable wall, safe and unscalable are the same word as well. We see this comparison here. But what does it mean to have our trust in the name of the Lord? What does it mean to run to the name of the Lord? What does Solomon include when he talks about the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is shorthand for everything that God is, has said, or has done in this world. We talked about attributes of God today. We talked about him being infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. The confession or the excuse me, the catechism goes on to answer the question, what is God? It says God is a spirit. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. We run to those things when we run to God. We find our rest, our comfort, our hope in those things when we run to God. The eternal nature of God and His kingdom, the, etern- the infinite nature of God and His presence or His power or His knowledge, the unchangeable nature of God and His promises should be what we place our trust in. But the name of the Lord is not only what God is, it is also includes what he has done. God in his infinite, eternal and unchangeable nature has created and has redeemed. He currently disciplines and protects and eventually he will restore and glorify. We find peace, we find comfort in the actions of God. Our world, our culture, our country is spinning out of control, at least it seems But it is not out of control because God is active right now in this world, working out his will and his glory. And we honor God. We show our trust in God when we understand that he is sovereign over everything that is going on. And finally, the name of the Lord includes all that he has said as well. God has revealed himself in his word and he has made covenant promises in his word. We were to go to the end of Romans 8, where Paul is summarizing the first seven chapters of Romans. And he says, who shall separate me from the love of God? And he lists all these things. Can other people? No. Can princes? No. Can principalities or the spirits of the age? Can trouble or trial, political turmoil, economic upheaval, pandemics, can they separate me from the love of God that is mine in Jesus? What's Paul's answer? No, because God has promised that once you are my child, you will always be my child. And those promises are unchangeable. Those promises are yea and amen in who God is. God himself represented by the phrase the name of the Lord is our strong tower, is our place of safety for his people. And when our trust is in him, who he is, what he has done, and what he has said, we will find peace. But, but how do we find that peace? Notice what Solomon says. He said, the righteous run to it and are safe. Bruce Waltke points out and, and narrowly focuses in on this word run. And what he says this word run communicates for us is a quick, decisive, and diligent action. When we are faced with the dangers and temptations of this world, how do we react? Our tendency, my tendency, your tendency in this world is to react in such a way that we communicate the idea, well, God, I, I listened to a sermon this week and now I'm in danger from the fool's words, so I'm just going to wait right here for your protection. No, Solomon said the righteous run to the protection of God. The righteous are active in pursuing that protection of God. It's like there's a there's been a little little meme going around on, on social media lately that that talks about the way we pray is that we have a shovel and we lean on it, praying for God to give us a hole. The idea for running to God's protection is that whenever life endangers us, we go to the Lord in prayer Uh, Our our Bible reading this year, I don't know if you've noticed, we started out just going through the Psalms, one Psalm a day, the Bible's prayer book. Do you struggle to pray? Take a Psalm, read it. We're up to at the end of this week, we'll be up to Psalm 17, Psalm 18 is like the last short Psalm for a while. So if you're going to get into this, get into it now, get the habit going, Um, but use these as your prayer. Daily go to the Lord. Daily run to the strong tower by praying through the Psalms. It's as simple as as looking at Psalm 1, blessed is the man, and say, Lord, I'd like to be blessed. Keep me from walking with the ungodly. Keep me from standing in the way of sinners. Keep me from sitting in the seat of wickedness. Please help me to become a tree planted by streams of water. And don't destroy me. Because I love you and I run to your strong tower. Amen. Close the Bible, move on through your day. When those when those temptations come, when the dangerous words of the fool come along, run to God in prayer. Know more about God. Study the scriptures. As I said, Psalms one through seventeen are pretty short, and the rest of them aren't really that long either. Use some extra time to begin to study about who God is. Find a, find a book or a video study on the attributes of God. There's an excellent one on Ligonier.org. Learn the attributes of God. Learn who God is. Learn what God has done. Learn what God has promised you. I don't know how many times in my life I have found myself in a pit of despair because I did not remember the fact that God promised to protect me in certain situations. And because I forgot his promises, I forgot to run to him and to his strong tower. Our our scripture reading from 2 Samuel today was David praising God for being his strong tower in the midst of being attacked by enemies. We see his Psalms where he was in the middle of being attacked and he said things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, I know that you will protect me from pestilence. I know that you will protect me from from the attacks of friends, that you will protect me from the attacks of enemies. David constantly ran to God, remembering his promises. One of the things that kept David going while he was on the run from Saul and from Absalom was because he knew that God had promised to bring him to the throne. In the midst of sin and rebellion, David prays to God in repentance because he knows that God has promised to forgive sin. In the midst of uncertainty, he prays to God and finds peace and comfort in Psalm 139, reminding himself of God's omniscience and omnipresence. When the fool directs his self-destructive words at you or at me, where do we run? Do we run to God seeking his safety? Or do you merely sit and wait for him to show up? Why is this trust thing important? Why is it important where we place our trust? And then the next couple of days on the church Facebook page, I'm going to post a, a video from a lady by the name of Elisa Childers. For those of you who are my age, maybe just a, a hair younger, uh, Zoe Girl was a contemporary Christian music group, and Elisa Williams was one of the singers in Zoe Girl. And after her, her recording career kind of ended, and she was getting into married life and family life and going to a church. She ended up in a church that would be considered progressive in its Christianity. Um, they take a liberal view of the Bible. They take a liberal view of, of um, how God acts and how God has saved. They deny oftentimes the reality of Christ's miracles, things like that. And she began to question her faith. What do I really believe? Is this really true? And she had one of those moments that we've heard about many times where, where she just prayed to God and said, God, I need to be directed to truth. And she said later that day, she was listening to a radio program and there was a man answering questions of college students. Um, and he was an apologist, and it ended up being Ravi Zacharias. And it's important for us, and she, she rebuilt her faith, she rebuilt her theology through the ministry of Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And it's important where we place our trust, because if you've been following Christian news lately, many of you know Ravi Zacharias passed away in May. In August, some allegations were brought out against Ravi Zacharias about sexual misconduct. And so the ministry hired an investigation firm, a law firm there in Atlanta that specializes in these types of investigations, And they released a preliminary letter in December that said, basically, our full report will come out in February. But it's far worse than you could ever think or imagine. And Elisa Childers makes the point here. She says, does this shake me? She said, absolutely. Ravi Zacharias helped to build my faith. But my faith was not in Ravi Zacharias. My trust is not in a man that died of cancer last year and apparently was living a double life. My faith was in what God had done, what God says and who God is, and that is unshakable. That is permanent. That will never be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, To make sure you know where your trust is. Don't put your trust in wealth or in power or for heaven's sake in me. I will fail you. I have failed you, many of you more than likely. Probably minor, just missing a phone call or missing a visit or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But hopefully your trust is not in me or the other things of this world. Hopefully your trust is in God. God because he will never fail and he will protect you from the self-destructive nature of words and misplaced trust. Let's pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for who you are and how you have revealed yourself and what you have done for us. Lord, it is so easy for us to see the things of this world and to put our trust in them They're tangible, we think. They're permanent, we think. They're secure, we think. But they are all built upon a foundation of sand. The only thing that is permanent and secure and strong is you. And so, Lord, help us to place our trust in you, in what you have done in redeeming us, in your infinite, eternal, and unchangeable nature. And in the promises that are based in those things. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for being trustworthy. Thank you for being our strong tower. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your hymn book and turn to hymn number four Praise the Lord, His Glories Show. God has shown us His glories in His Word, in His world, and in the redemption that He has given to us. And so let us stand and praise Him for His glories by singing hymn number four, Praise the Lord, His Glories Show. As you go this week, go trusting in God. And as you trust God, take this blessing upon you. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And we pray with God's people. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.